The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The Gospel of the Lord. we celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi, celebrating the truth of the Eucharist. It is not merely a sign or a symbol, but is a reality, a profound reality, one before which we ought to come indeed to worship, as worship belonging to the one true God, to worship the Eucharist, which is the flesh of God himself. Of course, we believe from the early church, from the first days, from the moment of the Last Supper, we believe in the Eucharist. But in the life of the church, as always, there are ages by which certain things begin to be uh, more clearly manifest. The importance of things, or uh, particularly the the life of devotion, uh, will spring to life in a certain age of the church. In the age in which the Eucharist began to come to the forefront, especially in the realm of piety of the faithful, was in the early part of the second millennium of the church, the 1200s and 1300s. It was about this time that a young religious sister had received a a vision from the Lord, seeing the moon, but seeing that a piece of it was essentially missing. And she knew in the quiet of her heart that this was a sign from God, that there was something in the observance of the life of the church that was missing. And the peace soon became evident. A priest was offering Holy Mass. A priest who had said the words many times before of consecration, many times the Eucharist had been transubstantiated there in his hands. But on that particular day, he doubted. He questioned within his heart the truth of the statement, this is my body. And as he uttered those words, the host in his hands began to bleed. It became true flesh. And like any man that this would happen to, he immediately freaked out, 
folded the, put, it, put it in the corporal, folded it all up, and went to the bishop to try to explain what has taken place and to get some clarification on what, what do I do with this? How do I respond here? The bishop, of course, recognized what had taken place, that a miracle had taken place to cure the, the doubt of the priest, much like Thomas on that first, uh, that first Divine Mercy Sunday when our blessed Lord comes in and invites Thomas to place his hands in his wounds as a sign of moving from unbelief to belief. So also this priest was given the grace of this miracle to move him from unbelief to true faith, belief in the Eucharist, that it is real, that the words are true. It was shortly after this that, of course, when a miracle of this nature takes place, you want to see it. And the people began to clamor to see this miracle that had taken place. And so it became displayed in the church locally. And then they began to take and hold processions with the same blessed sacrament. To be able to process around the town. To be able to show the glory of God and the things that he had done. And thus began Eucharistic processions. Shortly after, people would begin to keep watch with the blessed sacrament to go and sit for a while in its presence, and thus begins adoration. And over the course of the centuries that would follow, these things would become solemnized and to be able to become more and more stable rites of the church, clarified by their prayers, by the actions that we are to take, the postures of our own bodies in the celebration of these rites. At the same time, as this was taking place, a mass was commissioned. At the time, there was uh, a young monk whose name was Thomas, who was a well-known and, and uh, well, you know, highly revered mind. And he was entrusted with the task of composing the prayers of the mass and a hymn to be sung to our blessed Lord. That same Thomas, Saint Thomas Aquinas, would compose the prayers of the mass of Corpus Christi which we continue to use even down to today. Some 800 years later, the same prayer is being uttered from our lips. The same prayer is lifting up from our hearts. Again, the entire purpose of this feast is to draw us and to draw our minds to the fact, to the truth of the Eucharist. Whereas other brothers and sisters in Christ would see in it a nice sign, a symbol, a remembrance, we as Catholics understand that we already had signs and symbols. This is what was understood by the blood of the bulls and the goats and the shedding and the, the spreading of the ashes of the heifers that had been consumed on the holy altars. We had signs and symbols in our Jewish brothers and sisters. They were pointing to the reality that was to come. As the writer to the letter to the Hebrews reminds us, if, the, if the, the shedding of the blood of bulls and goats had power of the old times because of the virtue of them being signs, how much more the reality that they're pointing to is the power of the Eucharist, the power of the blood of Christ, the power of the flesh of God that is made manifest. The signs of old have fallen away. We have become celebrants of the reality. It would be foolishness to go back and to reclaim signs and symbols merely. We have the flesh of God. We have the true bread from heaven. 
We have that food that nourishes us unto eternal life. We have the thing that which Christ gave to his disciples on his last night on earth. This is my body. This is my blood. Eat it. Drink it. The Eucharist, of course, by nature of all of these things, is something that ought to be um, regarded with a certain seriousness. The Eucharist is not, you know, because it is not a sign or a symbol, it is not to be messed around with. It is not to be treated casually. It is a very, very serious thing. Be reminded that the covenant of old, when it would take place, the covenant was such that an animal would be slain, as we heard in the first reading. The animal would be slain, and it was a sign of, it was us entering into the covenant with God. And essentially, when the animal was slain and the blood was shed, it was enough to say that what, for the two parties that enter into this covenant, this, this, this family bond that is taking place, if I break this covenant, may I be as that animal. Slain. Dead. Let, it, let this happen to me if I shirk my responsibilities in regards to you. And we know that God is always faithful, so there's only one side of the party that's going to suffer in that regard, typically, although Christ even took that upon himself. But in the Old Testament, there was a, a, a grave seriousness about the covenants of God, of how important a thing it was. And again, how much more now that our covenant, this new covenant in the blood of Christ How much more important is this? How much more are we to be intent and focused upon this covenant, mindful of our rights, but also our responsibilities towards him? Essentially, it is for us to ensure that we prepare well every time we come to receive the Holy Eucharist, first and foremost to be in a state of grace. This is the basic starting point, is to have the life of God within our soul so as not to become a a condemnation upon ourselves. This is what St. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, spoke to them. He said, make sure that you discern well the body before you eat and drink of it, lest you eat and drink condemnation upon yourself if you eat of or drink of it unworthily. It's an important thing for us to hear. That if we eat or drink unworthily, it is to our own detriment. It is much better for us simply to receive a blessing and then to go to confession than to receive out of pride or fear that someone else might see us and question us. It's a much better thing to simply come forward and to receive a blessing from the Lord rather than to profane one's own body and to bring condemnation upon one's soul for an appropriate or improper reception of Holy Communion. Other things are simply to allow our soul to be ready to receive Christ, to be able to be recollected in mind and heart. The saints of the church have often talked about this. Priests who come and offer Mass in a distracted manner, the question always has been put, well, what were you thinking in the sacristy? What were you doing ten minutes before Mass? Were you working? Were you busy about so many things? Or were you allowing your heart, allowing your mind to come to rest? to focus upon God. Certainly we all have obligations and various other things that are taking place around us, and trying to get here can be no no easy task sometimes uh, with the the difficulty of traffic and travel and these kinds of things. But it's to do our best to arrive here 
a few minutes early to allow our mind to rest for a moment, to focus upon the Lord. We're particularly blessed here at St. Agnes to be able to have so many beautiful things all around us. The crucifix, the statues, the mosaics, the stained glass, the stations, all of these things, visible reminders to us of things that can allow us to simply focus upon something and to allow our mind to be lifted up to God, even for a few moments, to prepare our hearts for the gift of the sacrament. Another thing not often, uh, not often spoken about, at least, um, is the awareness of the graces we need from God. None of us goes to the doctor and just, you know, signs up for a doctor's appointment and goes and has nothing to say. We all have a a reason that we are there. Other than just a regular checkup, something hurts, something doesn't feel right, something seems off. And the doctor responds, in course, with the need, with the treatment, with the medicine, with whatever it is that, that is going to help to bring us to good health. And so also the same with Christ, the divine physician. When we come to the holy altar, when we come to the rail to receive of our blessed Lord, it is a wonderful thing to call to mind the graces that we are particularly in need of. Where is it that I have fallen short this past week and need his help? Where is it that I know that there are things that are going to take place this week that may be trials again that I also need his help? And to call those things to mind, to present them before him, and to seek his grace for those particular occasions. And then most importantly above all, to love Christ in your heart when you receive him. To love him. If we receive Holy Communion, but then simply go back to our pews and allow our minds to go back to whatever it is in the world that we are thinking about, if we're thinking about what's happening after Mass, or what's for breakfast, or what's for lunch, or who's doing what for the rest of the afternoon, or if, you know, what the tigers are going to do that day, uh, you know, all these kinds of things that can entertain our minds, if we allow our minds to go to all these other things when we have just received Christ, we have missed the most important moment of our entire week, the moment where Christ has come to unite himself to us, and in doing so, to draw us into the heart of the Blessed Trinity and to give us a foretaste of heaven, to experience heavenly joy, heavenly peace, fullness of grace. When he is most close to us, it is important that we speak to him, that we love him, that we tell him that we love him, that we adore him, that we worship him, that we honor him, that we pour out our hearts in graciousness and gratitude towards him especially after receiving Holy Communion. At the conclusion of this, of course, there are various prayers at the end of Mass that we pray, but it's a good practice also to even spend a few moments after Mass. If it takes longer for you to offer your prayers and gratitude to God, fine and good. Rest in the pews and pray. Do not restrict Christ and His grace. Do not be worried about all the things that await. Stay with him. Remain with him, even for a few moments. And it will be a source of tremendous grace for your own soul. So as we come to celebrate this feast of Corpus Christi, celebrating the body and blood of Christ, it's a time for our hearts to rejoice. To rejoice in God's goodness, 
To rejoice that it was not enough for God simply to remain with the blood, the blood of the bulls and the goats for us to be, to be shed and to hope that we are being washed clean, to trust to be we are being washed clean, but rather to know that with his flesh and his blood, we are washed clean. But even more so, we are made part of the family of God, partakers of the body of Christ, allowed to be drawn into an intimate union with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us allow our hearts today to rejoice in this feast as we come to love our Lord, to adore him, to worship him as we receive him.